0: Susie, I was expecting you today to be wearing a leotard.
1: Mmm, bit chilly. Bit chilly for a leotard. But I know where you're going.
0: Leotard is an eponym. Uh, What does that mean?
1: Uh, Leotard is an eponym, and uh, an eponym is essentially um, a word that uh, originated in somebody's name. Yeah.
0: And we love it, you and I, the leotard, because we first met recording a television programme in Britain, Countdown. And it's a words and numbers game, but very often the letters that are chosen at random seem to end up spelling the word leotard. Mm. So I think it became the most popular eponym One ever. of the
1: most popular and one of, the, uh, one of those that was guaranteed to make the then host Richard Whiteley uh, guffaw with laughter and throw his hands up in joy. So it's got very special memories for me. So
0: a leotard is named after the gymnast, tightrope walker.
1: Yes, the trapeze artist, uh, Jules Léotard. Jules Léotard. Was
0: he a Frenchman?
1: He was French. Uh, Sorry, that's terrible. I never put on a fake French accent and that one was particularly bad. Um, Yes, he was. Now, he was uh, the original, uh, what was was it? The daring young man on the flying trapeze. He was the inspiration for that. Um, And uh, yes, so he developed the art of the trapeze. That that is probably what he should be best known for. But because he loved that one-piece gym wear... That now bears his
0: name. That's fantastic. So he's given his name to the language, the leotard. There's the Wellington boot, of course, named after the Duke of Wellington. My favourites are undoubtedly the Hungarian Laszlo Biro, Mm -hmm. also pronounced Barrow, who invented the ballpoint pen. The American William Hoover, who was the guy who pioneered the vacuum cleaner, the Hoover. Mm -hmm. But my favourite is another Frenchman, the Frenchman who designed the first sandals suitable for the beach, Philippe Fallop. <laughs> <laughs> Philippe-lop, Philippe-lop, Philippe-lop. I love it, I love it, I love it. But the others are real.
1: <laughs> the others are real. Just while you were uh, making jokes about flip-flops, I was thinking about modern eponyms because there aren't actually that many. You were talking about the Hoover. There's, of course, Dyson. But you wouldn't necessarily say, well, yeah, I suppose you might, but I'll get the Dyson out. It's a bit pretentious to say that, possibly still. So it's quite interesting. I'm not sure how many... Modern eponyms I can think of. I know for a while, doing Adelia went into the dictionary. Um, so if you were following a particular recipe, you would do Adelia. And also, I remember distinctly hearing someone say, ooh it's a bit Tarantino around here." Oh, um, a, a bit Tarantino, meaning it's a bit sinister. it's a little bit sinister, a bit of a loaded atmosphere. Ooh. But I haven't heard that again. So it's it's sort of I I'm a celebrity. Get me in the dictionary. It's not really working so far.
0: But are eponyms significant? Are they important?
1: Well, they are. Because I think for any lover of words and any lover of English, they tell so many fascinating stories, and we pass them by, like you know, so so often, Um, and we don't sort of investigate their history. So, you might hear about um, a crane, for example, called um, a derrick. Oh, derrick! Yeah, sort of hoisting. D e w l i c k. Yes, you might see it on board a a ship, etc. But you may not know that actually, and there was a once notorious Elizabethan hangman who uh was called Mr. Derrick. And he essentially was obviously such a sort of black figure in the in the popular imagination that it became used generically for a gallows and then by extension for anything that was sort of a hoist. So um pretty dark history that one. Before we go any further, you are listening to Something Rhymes with Purple with me, Susie Dent and Giles Brandreth sitting opposite me.
0: We are sitting face to face and we're talking eponyms. We are is the Mars bar an eponym?
1: No, I don't think it is. I think there were lots of planetary chocolates, weren't there? Milky Way, galaxy, etc. Ah, I got, got you, was
0: got you, got you, got you.
1: I have no uh, idea. Uh,
0: Mars. Hmm. You may have to check this. I think Mars is called Mars not because of the planets at all. Hmm. I think Mars is called Mars because Mr. Mars was the person who uh, had the chocolate company, well, and he well named right. the bar after himself. Okay. So take a look at that one.
1: Um, I am typing Mars bar eponym. OK, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yes, Forrest Mars Senior in Slough. In 1930. I had no idea that Slough was famous for the Mars bar either. You were correct. That is an eponym. I had no idea.
0: Well, let's do a little bit of a quiz. I hope we can do that. Have you got a list of eponyms there? Uh, yes, I have got some for you. OK. Let's see if I can guess them and see if people uh, listening to the podcast can get them before we can.
1: All right. So what about silhouette?
0: Silhouette, yes. This is a Frenchman, I think. Something to do with the French Revolution. And he would cut out images of people before they were beheaded during the French Revolution. Gustave Silhouette.
1: Interesting, interesting. I hadn't heard that particular side of the story. Now he was called Etienne de Silhouette.
0: Est- Etienne de Silhouette. More, uh-huh. more
1: bad French accents. And he, uh, well, there's two two theories. He was the finance minister apparently, and loved austerity. Sound familiar? And he um, essentially was well into political economising. So one theory is that uh, people uh, and their money became a shadow of their former selves. So that's ah. that's one thing. So theory. he wasn't
0: the person? He didn't actually cut no, out well, silhouettes himself? No, well, that's the other
1: theory, is that he himself actually um, loved making silhouettes. I haven't heard the sort of silhouettes of his victims, though, well, because I don't think he was an executioner. In- no, directly, anyway. But
0: rather like Madame Tressaud, who uh, genuinely, I think, would take... Um, images of people's heads after they'd just been executed, do a wax mm-hmm. model of them. Yes, yeah, she did, yeah. I, th- I thought the silhouette was down there by the tumbrils as the heads were falling off oh, with his scissors doing little profiles. No, I didn't, make he was
1: finance minister, so I doubt no. that he was sitting there unless he was incredibly bloodthirsty. But this is interesting. But so this is why, you see, this is why it's so fascinating, because there's still so much detective work to be to be done. Lovely. So we've acronyms. got Etienne de Silhouette, who gave
0: us the silhouette. Give us another yeah, one. Yeah, OK, this
1: is one of my favourites. What
0: do I get for that out of, out of five? Do I get two points? You get a cup of tea. Thank you. Maverick. Maverick. This is American.
1: Mm, It's one of my favourite stories. Well,
0: tell us the story then, because I loosely remember it, but get it
1: right. Okay. well, this is a 19th century cattle owner called Samuel Maverick. And he became famous for refusing to brand his cattle, which was obviously the done thing. Um, again, sort of, you know, lot, lots of uh, theories, but it's thought that his cattle just sort of wandered free, much to the annoyance of his neighbours. And because he didn't do things the prescribed way, uh, and we seen as a little bit eccentric, if not downright stubborn, he became known as a maverick. And, interesting, I think it was his son or his nephew, I think it was his son, uh, gave us the word gobbledygook. Good Um, grief. Yes. Oh,
0: but what a family the Mavericks were. No, no, you must explore this.
1: I love it. Well, he wasn't called Gobbledygook, obviously, but he just thought that... What a great name. (laughs) He thought that sounded like the, um, the such a meaningless babble of geese. And uh, so he said, "It sounds like gobbledygook."
0: And this was young, young Maverick.
1: Yeah, this was Maverick Junior.
0: Maverick Junior gave us gobbledygook. Yes. Some people think, "Why? Why am I? Couldn't? Shouldn't I be living a life here? Couldn't I be reading a book? Why am I listening to a podcast?" Now you know. Now you know. A maverick was a cowboy who wouldn't brand his cattle, uh, but he bred a son, and the son gave us the word gobbledygook. This has been worth getting up this morning. You live and learn then of course you die and forget it all. But in the interim, how pleased you must be to be listening to Something Rhymes With Purple with Susie Dent and Giles Bradworth. Challenge me to another. Okay. Though I know nothing, I'm loving your answers. Uh,
1: Well, this is one perhaps for slightly older listeners um, because I'm not sure it's used that much these days. (sighs)
0: Slightly older listeners. Both Susie and I are on tour at the moment doing stage shows and we're going to a lot of the same theatres. My show is called Break a Leg. And what is your show called? Mine's called The Secret Life of Words. The Secret Life of Words. And she is revealing the secret life of words like um, Maverick and Gobbledygook. But um, on the tickets, it often says you know, uh, age, you know, 16 plus or 12 oh, yes. plus. Does it say anything like that on your tickets?
1: Well, it has to be, yes, it has to be 18 plus because there's, there's a little bit of swearing in there. I do the history of swearing. We've, we've done swearing, haven't we? We have. Oh, so, yeah. oh fuck yeah, me, we have.
0: We certainly <laughs> so have. I do so it says Emily 18 plus. Bit. I
1: think it says 18 plus or uh, the equivalent of PG.
0: 18 plus, well, rather amusingly, wherever I was the other day, my wife said, have you seen the tickets? What well, it said on the tickets, you know, I thought, is it going to be 12 plus? Is it going to be 14 plus? Sixty plus, <laughs> and when I looked out of my audience, they all were. Oh, so, I like that. You now say we've got something for um, older, oh, yeah, perhaps, older, possibly older, for older
1: listeners. Older You're listeners. Hobson's choice.
0: Yes, Hobson's choice. There is a play of that name. Okay. By Harold Brighouse. Hmm. Uh, rather a wonderful play which I saw performed at the National Theatre shortly after it opened in the 1960s with Sir Michael Redgrove playing the part of oh, Hobson. Oh, amazing. There is a film version of this play with Charles Lawton in the role.
1: He did Galileo. He's, a He's great, one of my heroes. He,
0: he, is a, he is a heroic actor. Yes. But I imagine Hobson's Choice is called Hobson's Choice because the phrase already existed. Nothing to do with a Hobson-Jobson.
1: No, nothing to do with the Hobson-Jobson dictionary. Uh, let's just explain. Hobson's choice essentially uh, means the option of taking the one thing offered or nothing. So it's it's kind of all or nothing. Really.
0: Oh, rather like some people would have said that the what was on offer from the European Union over the Brexit negotiations was a Hobson's choice. Yes,
1: there's no choice at all. Essentially.
0: There's no choice. Ah, oh, Hobson's choice. And yes. who
1: was Hobson? Well, he was Tobias Hobson. So he was a Cambridge... Carrier who let out horses, and he is said to have insisted that his customers take the horse which happened to be next to the stable door uh, because they were the freshest or to go without. And so it became he it that became known as Hobson's choice. You, and you had actually, to take that horse,
0: it's like London cabs to this day, they yeah, make like the you go to the one at the, the first one in the queue. Quite it's a right. Hobson's choice. You haven't, even if you don't like that look of the first one, you want the second one. No, no, Hobson's choice. Quite. So he was called Tobias Hobson.
1: He was called Tobias Hobson. I Indeed. mentioned
0: Hobson Jobson. Yes. Who was Hobson Jobson?
1: I yeah. Well, he produced the Anglo-Indian Dictionary, didn't he? I don't actually know who he was. Ah, uh, Hobson um, Jobson, and it's, a,
0: it's like a turn of phrase. Or oh, Hobson Jobson. Uh, there probably wasn't a um, a Jobson. It's just a, it comes oh, yes. from
1: Henry Yule and Arthur Coke Burnell. Why it was called Hobson Jobson? Uh, in Anglo-Indian English, it referred to any festival or entertainment. Um, it is a corruption, we think, by British shoulders of Yahussein. I'm not sure I'm repeating this properly, but uh, it was repeatedly chanted by the Shia Muslims as they mourned and beat their chests.
0: Oh, wonderful. Ooh. A sound like Hobson-Jobson. Hobson-Jobson. Yes. Hobson-Jobson.
1: Anyway, this was not exactly an eponym, but fascinating nonetheless. I but love our little diversions.
0: I Good. I love a diversion. Life is a series of cul-de-sacs, but then yes. you hit the main road and mm-hmm. eventually you hit the buffers. OK, give me one more. I'm liking this.
1: OK, this is an obvious one, but I love it anyway. Caesarean section.
0: Caesarean section. Named after Julius Caesar, yes. the Roman geezer. Yes. Had a nose like a lemon squeezer. Did he? Well, when I was at school, there was a poem that went along those lines. Julius Caesar, Roman geezer... No, squashed his nose in a lemon squeezer. Something like that. Anyway.
1: It probably didn't happen one way or the other. I wouldn't worry too much.
0: Julius Caesar, was he born by Caesarean section?
1: That's the folk belief. I have to say that that is what the OED believes as well, uh, that he himself was delivered this way. And, of course, it was made famous by um, uh, Shakespeare. For those who America.
0: have led sheltered lives... Uh, what exactly is a cesarean section
1: A cesarean section is um childbirth where the, whereby the baby is delivered through um an incision into the womb I think rather than They cut you open naturally. to bring the they baby cut you out. Open. Yes.
0: And you mentioned Shakespeare's play um mm-hmm. which is known as the Scottish play because it's supposed to be bad luck to say the word Macbeth ah! It's supposed to be uh, bad luck to say the title of the play unless you're actually in the play at the time. Um, and in the, the one of the prophecies of the witches is that uh, he won't be killed; he can't be killed by except by some, anyone who is by mother born or something.
1: He was untimely ripped. And he that's was that's unti- isn't it?
0: Untimely ripped, ripped from, from his, his mother's womb. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And so he does end up. Macbeth does end up being killed. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So the alien section, that's good. One more. Okay.
1: A Mickey Finn.
0: A Mickey Finn. It's an eponym, is it, I suppose, if there was a real Mickey Finn?
1: Yes. Well, it's said to be a notorious Chicago bartender who drugged and robbed his customers.
0: Oh, it's it's a very strong drink. It knocks you out. I'll have a Mickey Finn.
1: Yes, I think be careful with that one. Next. This is an area that I'm fascinated by, but I'm not sure they fall strictly into the category of being pure eponyms um, because... People have lent their names to expressions, but we don't know who they were. So, not on your Nelly.
0: That's a really
1: old-fashioned British expression, meaning not on your life. Yeah, not on your life. Not on your Nelly. Not on your Nelly. In the 19th century, Nelly Duff was rhyming slang for puff. So, not on your puff was like not on your breath of life, not on your life. So, it's a fairly complicated bit of rhyming slang. But we don't know who Nelly Duff was. Sadly, Oh okay. I mean, indeed, maybe she didn't exist likewise. I just add to that one in terms of who we you know people who are are now um anonymous, sadly, although they live on through language, uh, was somebody called um Tommy Grant. Tommy Grant became a nickname in Australia for um, an immigrant, uh, not- notably British immigrants. And that in turn became Pomegranate because people arriving in um, on the Australian shores, if they were British, particularly in fair-skinned, would be as red as a pomegranate. So it became Pomegranate and it, uh, finally so end up as poms.
0: Yes. Oh, but that is... this, Susie Dent, you are on fire, if I may say so. <laughs> I never knew that the origin of the pom being, as it were, the Brit who goes to Australia, Mm. came from pomegranate, which came from Tommy Grant. Tommy Grant. Tommy Grant gives you pomegranate, gives you the POM.
1: Yes. Not an acronym for uh, Prisoner of Her Majesty's Service because of deportees. Uh, But, yes, lovely story.
0: Let's have a quick break. What I'm interested in are the words that have slipped into the language, like silhouette and leotard, Mm -hmm. where there is no clue in the word that it was once a person.
1: I'll give you one. I find that mesmerising. Okay. Oh, very nice. Franz Mesmer. Who was he? Well, he gave us the sort of precursor to hypnotism, really, because he believed in an invisible natural force, a kind of animal magnetism that exists in all of us and he uh, saw in it sort of amazing healing properties um, but I think it, by some countries even he was seen as a bit of a quack and uh, and so had to sort of move on um, in order to uh, practice elsewhere as far as I remember
0: But it's extraordinary I think to be somebody who lived maybe 150 years ago whose name has just entered the language. People mm. talk about somebody being mesmeric Yes, mesmerising a moment. It's a phenomenon. I've got
1: one for you as well. Oh, yes. Nicotine. Do you know where that one comes from?
0: That does ring a bell. Nicotine. Yes. François de Nicotine.
1: He was essentially a French diplomat who lived in very, sort of, very late 16th century. Uh, Jean Nicot. He was called. Um, he was an ambassador to Lisbon, but he is famous because he became convinced of the healing powers of tobacco um, from a friend of his who was a botanist. Um, and apparently, the application of the tobacco plant worked absolute wonders. They tried it on tumours, etc., and and it was wonderful. Catherine de Medici the uh, queen of france treated her migraines with it etc so nicotine was was found or tobacco was found to be this sort of amazing <laughs> how different amazingly therapeutic
0: Plant. This is extraordinary, isn't yeah. it? I mean, there we are, nicotine. People thought it was a wonderful cure-all when mm. it began and this man had his, has given his name to nicotine. In the First World War, and I believe in the Second World War too, they gave cigarettes to the soldiers, sure. didn't they? For health reasons. Of to course. calm them down, to soothe them.
1: It's a panacea it's What? yeah. Here's a
0: cigarette. And it's obviously a killer. Well, speaking of which, I, when I bought my car last, I only buy a car once in a generation because I'm very caring of the environment. So once in a generation, I buy a car. When I last bought a car, we were being told to buy diesel yes. cars yes. because oh, diesel yes. fuel was good for the planet. Yes. And now I'm being told, I did this for the sake of my country and now I'm going to be punished for buying a diesel car. But Diesel was a person, wasn't he? Yes.
1: Was it Rudolf? Rudolf
0: Diesel? No, I think was he, he was it? the red-nosed India.
1: <laughs> he was a German engineer, Rudolf Diesel, who famously, I think died mysteriously uh, by falling from a ship. He disappeared from a ship. Uh, that's my memory. I may be wrong. So do please correct us uh, to anyone who's listening to something rhymes with purple because we would love to hear from you.
0: We would, actually. Do let us know. I mean, I say we'd love to hear from them. Do we want to hear from them? Do we want to deal yes. with correspondence? We
1: do. I oh, do. Oh, fine.
0: So if you don't mind, uh, it, email Susie Dent, whatever, um, or text her, or um, uh, what's the other thing that people do now? Tweet. Tweet, 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 tweet. I meant tweet. I meant tweet. I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm at Giles B1. At Giles B1. G Y L E S B1. Are you on Twitter?
1: Yes, I'm at Susie underscore Dent.
0: But we should really be on um, Instagram or something, shouldn't we? I
1: don't really do pictures. And, oh, don't you? We're being hurried along by the producer. Um, he's a bit of a dunce. He's not a dunce. Paul is not a dunce. But w- yes, where does the word dunce, dunce come Scotters. from? Yeah. Dan Scottis, Who? Uh, who was Scottis? He was a friar who um, was actually. Probably incredibly bright uh, and slightly ahead of his times, but uh, he was a reformer, and uh, was he a reformer or was he an anti-reformer? So honestly, you, you know more than me. But his his basically his philosophies were seen as being foolish and um, heretic, heretic, her- heretical. heretical, heretical. Thank you. He
0: was a He's friar, really a theologian. Words. Some people considered him a fool, Duns Scotus, and people talked about a dunce. Yes. What about gerrymandering? Let's get a couple of these in.
1: Yes, Gerrymander. It's a combination of the name uh, sort of top of my head, Elbridge Gerry um, and the Salamander. Uh, it's all to do with dividing uh, districts, uh, voting districts, in, oh. in a sort of slightly unfair way. A Victorian expression, I think, the, or yeah. maybe
0: a little bit earlier, uh, where you, you fiddled with the constituency to uh, have certain people vote for you. You, you basically were indulging in Gerrymandering. Mm-hmm. So the man who was doing this was Elbridge Gerry, and came salamander, out
1: a, yeah. Well he came up with a new, a new sort of division of counties that apparently, when drawn on a map, looked a bit like a salamander.
0: One of my favourites, of course, was Amelia Bloomer. Oh yes. Because people do give their names to clothes, don't they? Yes. Like Like jeans come from Genoa. From Genoa. Yes. In Italy. And denim. Denim comes from Denim, the place. N I with a little hat on the eye. Those
1: are toponyms, those.
0: Those are toponyms. Yes. But Bloomer is Amelia Bloomer, and that's a proper eponym. Who was she?
1: She was a blue stocking, wasn't she, as well? Could be. Yes.
0: I thought she was a feminist pioneer. No, she was feminist. And she liked to ride a bicycle. And in order to ride a bicycle in skirts, it's quite difficult. So she pioneered wearing these um, sort of trousers. Mm-hmm. Loose-fitting trousers that became named after her,
1: bloomers. And she advocated temperance above all as well. As well, well as, as um as, I mean, as you, right, quite right.
0: As you would if you're riding a bicycle, because <laughs> you don't want people falling off the bicycle.
1: I guess that is true. Giles, if you had to uh, contribute your name to the English language, what would its definition be?
0: A brandreth. Mm. What would a brandreth be?
1: Well can
0: I tell you something? I would like it to be something gentle and lovely. I have a friend called Anthony Holden, who is a very distinguished journalist and biographer. And we were at university together, and he's a brilliant man. And recently, maddeningly, he suffered a stroke, and which has debilitated him. He's now in a wheelchair, and he can't use his left arm or left leg. But His mind is razor sharp and he can use his right hand so he can still carry on writing, tapping away on the computer. But he was saying to me how words can – the way we use words is so important. And that's why you and I actually love words. And he said, you know, the word stroke. Mm. He said, actually, the word stroke is a gentle word. Mm. It's a loving word. You associate it with a caress. You stroke somebody on the cheek. You stroke them on the hand. It's a beautiful word, a gentle word. And he said, you know, what happened to me, the stroke, was anything but beautiful or gentle. And he said, you know, we call a heart attack a heart attack. And actually a stroke is a kind of brain attack. Let's call it a brain
1: attack. I mean, if you think of it, it's an act of striking. So its etymology is fairly hard and aggressive.
0: But the idea of stroking is gentle. So the point is that we give meaning to words by the way in which we use them. And mm. so you can get a word like stroke, which can at on one hand mean something beautiful and gentle, and at the other hand means something um, really quite frightening and alarming. So that leads me to brandreth. When I was a boy, I'm afraid, people used to say bad breath brandreth to be rude. Oh. Yeah, exactly. I don't like that at all. So I want a brandreth to Be the word for something that lingers in the air. Hmm. Oh, he left a lovely, brand- <laughs> I'm laughing now, he left a lovely Brandreth after him. You know, a little, a faint echo. That's a, nice. A brand. Like
1: a sort of slight, sort of such particles of perfume that is somehow sort of left behind. I like that.
0: The spirit of the person, a delightful, yeah. oh, there, there was something about them. Oh, he left a lovely Brandreth behind
1: him. I like that. Very nice.
0: So what will Dent be?
1: Thanks. (laughs) Uh, Well, yes, as you can tell, Dent is never going to sound poetic. I think if I could donate my name to the English language, it will probably be as a synonym for linguistic gap, because linguistic gap is a bit of a mouthful. Uh, So for all those um, sensations, feelings, emotions, even things for which we have no... Word in English. I'd like to donate my name to that. So it might be behind a new dictionary of new words for things that we never had words for before. That's what I'd like it to be.
0: Oh, that's very good. We're, We're still searching for the word that it could be. Oh, I like that very much. Do
1: you know, I've also just then made up a word, plentifold, which doesn't exist. Plentifold? Um, the, the only excuse I have is that today is my first real day of hay fever and I am drugged to, to the eyeballs with some very sedating uh, pills. So please forgive me if I get my words wrong. That's which okay. is not important, of course, on a web podcast.
0: Well, it is important to get it right. Oh, I see what you mean. You're, you're being sarcastic now. <laughs> just Was, a bit. Yeah, exactly. Now, look, even though you are woozy... Yes. and drugged up to the eyeballs, I still need, because many people tune in simply to get to this last bit where you give us Susie's Trio, three yes. words to surprise us, three words that we want to relish and take away as our our takeaway. What do people call that when you go to a conference and they say, we'd like you to give the people something? What do they call yeah, it?
1: Yeah, takeaway messages. and Takeaway messages.
0: Mm. Well, the, what are the takeaway words?
1: Instantly disposable, that's what these are. Um, but they are great words. Um they don't really have anything to do with eponyms, I have to say. They're just three words I that I like. One is a Victorian word for an umbrella, which is a bumba chute.
0: A bumba chute. Yes. I love it. How does, it, how does bumba chute come up? Shoot
1: um, I think just bumba because it sounds a little bit like a child's representation of umbrella. And a chute as in parachute, I guess. Although it's spelled S-H-O-O-T. I guess it's shaped like a parachute. So I like that, a bumbershoot. chute. My second word, just because it's so beautiful, we've been mentioning quite a few French words today, is chatoyant. 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 I guess it would be chatoyant in English, which you really don't want because it doesn't sound nearly so nice. So it's C H A T O Y A N T. And it means of iridescent shimmering lustre, like a cat's eye in the dark. Isn't oh, I beautiful? like that. I just think it's a beautiful word. And my third. Third one, cannot accuse you of this, but we can accuse many uh, politicians of it, I think, is batology. Heard of that one? No, what is okay. batology? Batology is needless and tiresome repetition in speaking or writing. So loathsome repetition is batology.
0: Batology, banging yes. on, batology. If yes, so
1: something is batological, it's really tediously repetitive.
0: Do you think it's affected you being called Susie Dent? As a person, because I think you know. people, there is research that shows that people's names do affect how they behave. Okay. I'm sure.
1: Nominative I'd, determinism.
0: Is that what it means? Yeah, well,
1: you might have an aptronym if yes. you were like, like.
0: Like there's a judge called Judge Judge. Yes. You know, and the cardinal, famous cardinal of Milan was called, um, of Manila, was called Cardinal Sin. <laughs> <laughs> but he behaved himself. Um, okay. But people's names do often lead yes. to. Yes.
1: Uh, I can't say that happened to me.
0: But Susie Dent. Is there, I mean, it's not, felt, great, is it's it? not great, It's not great. And Brandreth isn't great, actually. It's a dreadful name. Uh, I met Roy Rogers when I was a little boy. Do you know what I mean by Roy Rogers? Uh,
1: n- Reminds me.
0: Roy Rogers was a cowboy. OK. And um, he was a very... He was a hugely famous cowboy. And uh, he had a... I think he had a, a, a horse called... Did he have... Was his horse called Trigger?
1: Oh, OK, yes. Does it ring star. a
0: bell? Mm. Anyway, I discovered when I met him that his real name was Leonard Sly. And I thought, oh, this is so disappointing. (laughs) I mean, you know, um, he had been called, he called himself when he began as a cowboy, Dick Weston, which wasn't a bad name. Uh, And then he, he, um, somebody said he was the the Ginger Rogers of the cowboy scene. So he changed his name to to Roy Rogers. And he had 10 children, two boys and eight girls. There was Roy Jr. and there was John. There was uh, Robin, Cheryl, Linda, Lou, Marion, Scottish Ward, Mary, Little Doe, and Deborah Lee. Names do make a difference. You know, uh, What are your, you've got children, haven't you? I do. Have they got simple names?
1: Uh, quite simple. Uh, Lucy. That's oh, I like that. If. Lucy meaning light? Light from lux, yes, in, in Latin. Lux.
0: You say lux from Latin. People think of it as a soap. She's named <laughs> after, her, after her soap subs.
1: Um, Lucy? And Thea. Thea. Yes.
0: Thea. Thought that he had got, not got a lisp. She doesn't have she doesn't a lisp, lisp. no. because well, um, I say that. I have a daughter called Scythrid. Oh gosh. Yeah, can you imagine? Yes, never mind fear. Scythrid. Scythrid was the daughter, I think, of King Anna, sounds, the king of the East Angles.
1: Yeah, it sounds Anglo Saxon. My,
0: my wife came up with all these names for our children. So we have Scythrid, we have Bennett, B-E-1-N-E-T, as he says, Who wants to spend their whole life going around being called Benet? And Afra? A P H R A. Gosh. Which those is a great name.
1: Fancy names. Afra
0: is a great name. Afra Ben, B E H N, was the first woman to earn her living as a writer.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Like that. Anyway, we've had a lot of fun, haven't we? We have. Thank you Playing. so much for listening to our meanderings. Um, I would just say, if you have enjoyed this, please, please spread the word. Um, that would mean a lot to us. So give us a review or rate us.
0: And if you didn't like it, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Who makes all this?
1: Uh, this is a Something Else production Funny you should mention that Produced by Paul Smith Paul Smith Can you imagine being called Paul Smith all your life Paul Smith Great clothes maker Great clothes Thanks maker And Smith. also
0: the man who produced um, Who Wants to be a Millionaire is called Paul Smith
1: Oh really? And let's not forget Russell Finch Russell Finch Steve Who Ackerman. Wants to be called
0: Russell Finch At and a pinch Josh it's Finch Gibbs Steve Ackerman Josh Gibbs That isn't bad
1: Named after a toothpaste. And Gully. Let's not forget Gully. Who's Gully? Gully is there in the studio, uh, just over there, through the glass.
0: People may feel Short they're rather... Gulliver,
1: which is just the best name ever.
0: Some people listening to this may feel that to have had one, two, three, four, five, six people behind the microphone. Is Overkill? Two in front of the microphone is Overkill. <laughs> we may be talking about the origins of roadkill next time.